<laughs> now I'll try and preach after that, right? Amen. God is good. Well, we are so glad that you are with us this morning. When you came in, you should have received a program. Inside your program is a study guide, and we're going to unpack um, some thoughts today. We're going to spend the next two weeks talking about where we sit and talking about the importance of sitting and talking about the importance of, uh, of, of understanding our position in Christ and living in that position. So we're going to spend two weeks doing that, but we're going to start today with, um, with a message entitled, Watch Your Seat. You know, watch your seat. Most times before we sit, we look to make sure, right? And if you have a jokester, sometimes they, uh, they move your chair. That's why you learn to watch your seat, especially if you got brothers and sisters, unless you want to be on the floor, right? So today, what I thought we would do is we're going to learn a few lessons without, without, uh, uh, without um, sometimes God speaks and sometimes the message is so clear it doesn't have to be more explained, but sometimes you have to explain it just a little bit deeper. And so, so I want to read this front text to you. It's Matthew 28, and this is about the resurrection. It says, after the Sabbath, at the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Now, let me just say this. Even if, even if you're the other Mary, I'm just glad they said my name. You know what I'm saying? Some people are like, oh, they can't remember. At least they said her name, the other Mary. You know, I don't mind if I'm the other Mike. You know what I mean? As long as I was with Jesus, looking for Jesus, and he knows I was looking for him on my right, you know? <laughs> there was a violent earthquake, and the angel of the Lord came down from heaven, yes, Lord, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone, and sat on it. Everybody say, sat on it. Now, see, I was going to entitle this message, Sit on It, but then any of us who remember Happy Days, that's not a good thing, Sit on It, Potsy, right? So I was like, I can't call it Sit on It, you know? <laughs> his appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards, that's the Romans, that's these battle-tested, basically, these are the best of the best guards, were so afraid of him, they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, don't be afraid. Notice it didn't say it to the guards, did he? <laughs> he just said it to the followers of Jesus. Don't, don't be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where they lay him. Now in this story, I find it very unique and very interesting that this angel speaks and does something without really saying a word. He's teaching us something. You would think he would stand on top of that thing with the fiery sword and be like, oh, we have won, right? <laughs> he didn't need to do all that. You know what he did? He just sat down. He sat down because the job was done. The stone was meant to keep Jesus in. They even had put a seal on there to prove that no one could rob the grave, right? And so they didn't know it was an inside job. They didn't know the problem was on the inside. It wasn't keeping people out. It was keeping Jesus in. So he sits down because the job's done. Death is defeated. The job has already been accomplished. I believe it was strategic. And so to, for you and me today, we got to be careful where we seat. 
we got to watch our seat. Now think about it. How do you choose your, uh, your seat? Think about where you're sitting right now. How, how'd you choose it? Somebody may have chose it for you. If you got here early, you probably chose a seat, right? Uh, what were the factors? Some people look at it and say, well, I sat close to the exit in case uh, Pastor Mike's message is really bad, then I can leave, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? They're like, I'm, I'm out of here, right? Some people sat next to friends, right? Some people sat next to someone because they're your friend. You start looking around for somebody to sit with, right? We think about that. And, and doesn't the venue matter? In the living room, you look around to see where you sit. At a concert, you want to know where you're going to sit at a restaurant. Nobody wants to sit next to the bathroom in a restaurant. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Nobody trying to sit there. You know? So, so you think about it. And, and what about this, parents? If you have kids, doesn't that determine where you sit? Oh, yes, oh, yes it does. So, so think, uh, you, you know, you look at this front, favorite band, you shoot for front row, right? Right? And then, and if you're a guest at church, right? You're a guest at church, you hope they don't sit you on the front row. <laughs> right? But, but if you think about it, really what I'm interested in talking about today is, is less, less, less where you're sitting and more where your soul is sitting. I want to know if your soul, if your body, your mind, your will, your emotions. See, the angel rolled back the stone and sat on it because it's symbolic of triumph. Our greatest enemy defeated by Jesus. And he just sat down. There was no reason to fight anymore. The battle's over. I'm just chilling. I'm sitting here relaxing because death was a defeated foe. And so, so, so there's two variables when you're sitting down. The first variable is what's the reason that you're sitting down. And the second variable is the place where you sit. You see, there's a reason that you're sitting and then the place that you sat. There's some significance in that. Now, I want to share a second story about someone who sat down. And I want to talk about someone who sat under something instead of on something. And this is uh, from uh, Elijah. Now, Elijah was afraid. You've got to understand, setting the stage, he just defeated all the prophets of Baal. God had proven himself to be everything he said he was. One lady named Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you, and he ran for his life. So he ran for his life, and Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Imagine that. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, there, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush and sat down under it. And he prayed that he might die. Just had the greatest victory of all time. And, and, and he runs and he goes under a broom bush and he sat under and he says this, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. So the angel sat on top of the stone. Elijah found a broom bush to sit under and to waller. Take my life, God. Take my life. Those, Baal, those prophets of Baal wanted to kill him. He didn't care. God proved himself. But then one lady says she's going to kill him and he runs for his life. Now, now, what I want you to understand about the, 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 the broom bush is also known as the juniper tree. And, and it's native to that area, and it has three important parts. The broom bush grows in dry places. 
Now, if you're in a dry place this morning, a dry place spiritually, don't go under the broom bush. You see, you find yourself under the broom bush, and before you know it, you find yourself saying, I don't want to live. You find yourself, I don't want to live for Jesus. I don't want to. You find yourself in a place of sadness. It grows in the desert, and all of us have got to go through the desert. But if you remember, as you're going through the desert, God has oasis to oasis. So you got to decide, am I moving from oasis to oasis, or am I going from desert to desert? It's all in the way you see things. The third thing is, is a bitter root that the poor were accustomed to eating. And so sometimes they would only, they came to the point where they had to eat this root and it was bitter, but they had nothing else to eat. Job 30 verses 3 and 4 says, and they were gone from poverty and hunger. They claw at the ground in desolate wastelands. They pluck wild greens from among the bushes and eat from the roots of the broom tree. So it's a place of, 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 of poverty and hunger. And some of us find ourselves spiritually impoverished and spiritually hungry. We find ourselves in that difficult situation. It's desperate. And then the third thing I want you to notice is broom bush twigs were used for binding. They were used to bind things up. It's a place where you can get bound. So you got to be careful not to get bound up. Jesus came to set you free. He came to loose you, right? From the chains of bondage. But you and I, if we sit under something long enough, we'll grow roots. <laughs> and you don't want to grow roots, especially in that place, because it's a desperate place. You're not going to be drinking much living water there. And so Elijah gone to a place he shouldn't have gone. First off, he left where God had already ordained him to be. He left that place. He left, he left the source of all of his blessings, and he ran out and found another source, which was no source at all. So as you compare these subtle things, one came to a broom bush and sat under it. One came to the, the, the stone that was rolled away and sat on top of it. You can see the difference. You know what the, the Greek word for sit is? Sit. I know. Amazing theology right there. Not many people can interpret like that, but that's what I'm here for. Sometimes we just got to know what's happening, you know. Sometimes the Bible is just pretty straightforward, you know. We're like, what's he looking for? No, it's right there. Now, the angel sat on that stone because, you see, that stone was that the enemy tried to use to keep Jesus in place. But you can't keep Jesus in place. You see, the enemy, he wants to roll stones between you and Jesus to keep Jesus at bay. But he, they can't do it because he is the stone roller. He's the one that rolls the stone away. The thing that the devil tried to stop became the thing that the angels sat upon to declare the goodness of God. The same way that that's why I say and been saying for nine years, it's your story for God's glory no matter how gory. You see, the devil, he wants to use that story to keep you at bay, but you need to set on that story, not under that story. People talk about, oh, aren't you the one? Yes, I am. 
Yes, I am, but I'm also the one Jesus set free. You know, I'm not trying to sit under my, my old addiction and all the struggles that I had. No, I'm sitting on top of them in Jesus' name. You come to City on a Hill Church and we'll show you our scars, our wrinkles. We'll show you who we are. We're not afraid to admit where we've been because we know where we're going. People try and act like you ain't never been there. Come on now. They sat on it because that, 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 in that seat, he knew that there was already, that enemy was defeated. Think about that enemy trying to, to, to keep you seated right now. That unforgiveness, that bad report, that guilt, that shame. You can either sit under your circumstances or you can sit on them, but you can't do both. You cannot do both. You're either going to sit on them or you're going to sit under them. You can sit under your circumstance or on them, but you can't do both. You have to make a decision. And it's your decision to make. But listen to me, where you sit is generational. I'm coming from a a guy who knows about generational issues. I just got all of the pictures uh, that my mom entrusted to me so I can put them and have them all preserved. And I looked at my grandpa and I looked at my father and I looked at all those places where they sat and I realized that I was sitting in those places till Jesus picked a new seat for me. But I was sitting in that generational curse, sitting in that struggle. So look, 2 Kings 10, uh, 30 says, The Lord said to Jehu, Because you have done well in accomplishing what is right in my eyes and have done uh, done to the house of Ahab all that I had in mind to do, your descendants will sit on the throne of Israel to the fourth generation. Jehu's behavior affected his great-grandson where he sat. So dads, listen to me this morning. If, if you are going to sit on your temper, your kids will never sit under your temper. Mothers, if you're going to sit on your anxiety, then your kids are never going to sit under that anxiety. If you have the curse of debt, you need to start paying it off. So the only thing you're not passing on to your kids is your funeral bill. That's coming from a guy who had to pay for his dad's funeral bill when he was 18 years old. a a, a month until I paid that off, but I paid every penny off. If not, they were going to bury my dad in a box. So the only thing my dad left me was debt and and, and addiction. And I sat under that until Jesus helped me sit on it. Amen? Amen. If you're negative, people, if you're negative and you, and you sit there, then your kids are going to sit there and your family's going to sit there and your friends are going to sit there. We've got to break this cycle. If you'll sit on it, others will sit under it. They don't have to. They don't have to ever sit under it. If you sit on it, then you don't have to worry about that. And if they start trying to sit under it, you say, no, we're made to sit on it. There's a seat right here. Scoot right over on the rock and pick them up from the and set them right next to you and say, "We don't sit under that." Oh, I'm not. Oh, I, I was born this, so I can't do this. Or, or I was I was born in this part of town, or I this or that, or my generation did this. Or no, we don't hear none of that. 
I was the first one to graduate from, from uh, high school and the first one, actually the only one to ever get a college degree in my whole family. And they said you couldn't do it because you were dumb. They said I couldn't do it in my senior year. I just filled out dittos and they just gave me my diploma. He's dumb. He's going to deal drugs the rest of his life. But we need to make that quota. They didn't know that they, Jesus was setting me up to go to college. And they didn't know that when I went to college, I graduated with honors because my Jesus had did something in me that nobody else could do. They put that gold rope around me and I said, that's all about you, Jesus. You're the one who did it. So if God's calling you back to school, don't let anybody tell you you can't do it. God can do it. You see, how do we do that? Well, Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything. Everybody say everything. everything. That hinders us and, sin, and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance. Everybody say perseverance. perseverance. The race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the perfecter, the pioneer of our faith, and who set, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. The joy set before him, he scorned its shame. Jesus despised the cross. He didn't want the cross, but he endured the cross because he saw the joy. He looked past the struggle to see the joy that, that God had planned for him and for me and you. He could have sat there in the Garden of Gethsemane, but he didn't. He chose instead to walk that path, and he chose instead to roll the stone away for you and me. So you and I, we've got to decide. You see, consider him who, 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 who received opposition from sinners and friends alike. But he didn't grow weary. It's okay for us to sit down, don't get me wrong. I just want you to watch your seat. I want you to sit on it, not under it. On your drive home from work, when you're exhausted and you're worn out, choose wisely. Because what you choose is what, what your family's either going to sit under or not. So if you come home and you're sitting under something, you may as well make room under that broom bush for that bitterness. Or if you're sitting on something, by the time you get home, they can sit on it with you. You've got to decide in your heart. When someone wrongs you, you got to decide what you're going to do. You're going to sit under that or you're going to sit on top of it? I should have been a louder amen, but I'm just trying. <laughs> I can't do as much. When you're discouraged and you have to make a decision, choose wisely. If you're discouraged and you have to make a decision, choose wisely the decision you're going to make. Sit on it, not under it. You see, the thing that I want you to see today is that we get to choose. You and I, we get to choose. We're the ones who have the opportunity. And so, anybody ever save seats for anybody? Isn't that sometimes annoying, though, if you're being honest? They need to be on time trying to save a seat for you. But you don't mind it when somebody saves your seat, right? I mean, you know how it is, though, because you've got to sit there and people are like, no, you can't sit here. It's taken. They're like, it looks empty to me. It's taken. And then has your friend ever stood you up and then you got that, you feel like the, the lasers on your head? Because, you know, because you're sitting there next to that empty seat and you know they're staring at you like, 
Where's your friends? You know how it is. <laughs> We've been there, huh? Your friend feels no pain because they didn't show. You sit in an empty seat. But I want to talk about saving seats today. I thank God for the new app that you can choose your seat at the theater. Because then you can pick where you seat before you ever get there. You know, because the, the old theaters, you go there and then you got to find a seat. And then if you try and save seat, God help you. And then you got to send somebody to get the popcorn while I guard the seats with my life, right? I like that I can just walk in there and say, I-14, get up out of there. We ain't playing bingo. Bingo yourself out. Of course, that's not the Christian thing to do, but, but I told you I'm getting worked on. Under construction, what the shirt should say. But you talk about saving seats, and, 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 and here's, the, here's the thing. What I want you to know today is that, that we function, and there's three different uh, real functions in the brain for us. You have the survival brain. And the psychologists have talked about that, that involuntary part where your heartbeat, your respiration, your reproduction, your, uh, your reflex, your instincts. We have that survival part of us, you know, that fight or flight part. And, uh, and it's, it's in there for us. And God put it there. And, and aren't you grateful? I'm grateful that God put something there that I know to get out of the way, you know. And then there's the logical brain. brain, uh, brain. That's the last part to develop, as you can tell, it's still working. <clears throat> but that's where planning and weighing and, uh, and alt, uh, looking at the alternatives and making decisions and, and, and regulating emotional impulses and, and, and parents of teenagers, you have to understand this part doesn't fully develop until the mid-20s. You've got to be patient with your kids. Sit on it, not under it. They're, you know, give them time to develop. You ask them why they did it, sometimes they really don't know. Their logical part has not come through yet. You know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to help here. And then finally we get to the last one, which is your emotional brain. It's the part of the brain that's referred to as the seat of emotions. And this is the part of the brain where you choose your emotion. And you choose where it's going to sit. It's either going to sit on or sit under. And you have to choose that. You and I get to choose. And so, so you and I have this understanding that, that there's a constant fight happening in you for the seat of your emotions. That the, those modern research shows us that there are time and time again where we have to make choices on the fly. And we have our survival brain, our logical brain, and our emotions all working in clockwork. And sometimes we have to understand, but, but what I want you to know is I want to give you something else. I want to equip you with the Word of God that's going to help you in this. And you know why we pray every Sunday and we have every Sunday for nine years is because this has to be a house of prayer. This has to be a place where we can get our heart and our minds guarded in Christ Jesus. And so look at what the scripture says. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now listen to this. Listen to the results. And the peace, everybody say peace, peace. of God, which transcends all 
All understanding, it go, takes that logical out of that, takes all that out, right? Takes survival out of it. Will guard your hearts and your minds in what? It's up to you. You have to save the seat of your emotion. You either sit on or you sit under. So that means you and I, we get a choice. We have to guard our seat. You have to tell fear, seat's taken. You have to tell anger, ain't no room at the end. You got to tell anxiety, seat is taken. You got to tell insecurity, seat's reserved for Jesus. And then, and then listen, here's, this is the first, one of the first verses that I ever gave to Glenn Badonsky, and one of the ver- first verses that I ever began to put to mind about the mind. It's 2 uh, Corinthians 10.5. We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. So you and I have a choice to take that thought, arrest it, and make it obedient to Christ. As I told you before, parents, if you find yourself worrying about your kids, pray about them. If you find yourself worried about a struggle, a trouble, whatever you find yourself getting carried away, and they're trying to get you to sit under it, I need you to sit on top of it through prayer. If you're looking for a job and you don't have that job, you sit on it by praying, and the peace of God is going to guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus but we get to choose you get to choose where your mind sets where your heart sets and where your emotions set the angel showed up and he chose the right seat he chose the right seat where you sit is significant Where you sit is significant. I told you I like being able to click those little reserve seats because you know your seat's good. You're secure in that, aren't you? You get there and you know your tickets has a number, you know, and you know you're good. And so you're not rushing around. You're getting your popcorn. You're getting your drinks. You have see friends out there. What's up? What's up? Oh, my movie doesn't start. I'm good. Because you know your seat is reserved, right? And so you learn to... It's not, going to the movies is not as anxious anymore, is it? It takes away some of that. But if you know you're going to go to one that doesn't have safe seats, we're all sweating all of a sudden. All that bad memories come back, don't you? Oh, Jesus, I better stop at the dollar store and get my jujubes, right? (laughs) Got to sneak the Coke in my purse, right? You know what I'm talking about, though. Everybody acts like, they, everybody acts like I ain't going to see you at the dollar store, right? You know what's up. You go up to the studio grill, there's a five below. Everything's a buck, you know? Got me some of those uh, gummy Swedish fish. Boop. You know? Help me, Jesus. <laughs> Feel like it's confession. I, maybe I should be over... No. <laughs> But there's no greater feeling when you have your seat saved, when you have your seats reserved, all because someone gave you the authority to save your seat. You got somebody greater than Fandango. You got Jesus saving your seat. Look at what the scripture says. It says, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us where? 
with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves. It's a gift from God, not by works so that you can't boast about it. God has set you in a place He wants you to be seated in heavenly realms. And here's the good news. It's generational. Amen. We're heirs with Christ. It's generational. But if we don't tell people that it's generational, they can be heirs with Christ. They're going to think there's no other hope. It's like one of those students that thought he was going to have to to sling dope the rest of his life because he didn't think that the diploma was a possibility. All of a sudden it became a possibility. All of a sudden, he's, they're, they're talking to teachers, and when he graduated, his mama's calling saying, I can't believe it. And the, even his friends are like, I can't believe it. <laughs> but somebody's got to tell them they're heirs with Christ. Somebody's got to tell them there's another future. There's another alternative. Because if you're going to sit under that, then you're going to be bitter. But you've got to sit on top of it victorious in Christ. Look at Revelation says, it says, to the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on the throne just as I was victorious and did what? Sat down with my father on his throne. I told you sitting down is not the problem. It's where you sit. Notice he said sat down with the father on his throne. Did you see that? Whoever has ears, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. Today, I tell you, check your ticket. Check your ticket. Look down the seat of emotions and see if insecurity is keeping you from Jesus, if fear is keeping you from Jesus, or if fear or any of those things are keeping you from following what God has for you. Or maybe today you're seated in the section called complacency. Maybe you're seated in the section called comfort and you're sitting under that comfort and wondering why you're getting bitter and not having the life God called you to. Uh-oh. Phil, you be, we better check this microphone because this one might be broke. I start talking about, uh-oh, comfort. and I'm, like, I'm real comfortable right now. Attend one, serve one. What's he talking about? You don't know. Tap your neighbor and say he's talking to you. <laughs> See how we were going so good too. Going so good. And then all of a sudden I start meddling. Start telling you that if you're sitting under, under that comfort... And wondering why church isn't as, as exciting. Wonder why when you see people going into waters of baptism, it's like just a dunk. Wonder why when you see those little kids memorizing those scripture verses and they're two and three years old and they're singing songs about Jesus and wondering why you don't get just a little bit emotional. It's because you're sitting under and not on. See, we're raising a gen. I don't know if y'all saw it, but if y'all, many of y'all saw your kids right here. They've been, they've been setting on for nine years. I don't know if you saw that, but my niece and nephew were in those pictures. My brother-in-law was in those pictures. See, you and I, we've got to understand. We can't sit there. God's calling all of us to the front lines. 
And don't tell me an hour and 15 minutes on Sunday once a month is too much. It should be twice or three times a month. Come on, church. Help me. Help me. If once is all you got, praise God, give it. Give it. But if you got more in the tank, don't you sit under it. You sit on it. This church is only going to go the next nine years as far as we're willing to go. That's the truth. I'm just being honest with you. It's only going to go as far as you and I are willing to go. If you only go this far, then this is it. We don't need to add services. We don't need to add chairs because all we're going to do is start seeing falling away because people get bored, they get bitter, and they roll. Amen. Amen. See, nobody wants to hear that, but I'm just trying to be honest with you. I'm trying to save our church for the next generation. We worked for nine years. People are talking about, I'm tired. We, listen, we ain't even got started. I'm trying to hear about tired. Tired? Tired of what? Tired of seeing people's lives changed? Tired of being a part of changing eternity? Tired of seeing the world, the literal city, the world change? And you like, I'm tired. Give me a break. We ain't even got started. Maybe when we're at like a hundred or something and, and we're gone and our generation has taken over, if we did anything, if not, this is it. We die and it dies. But they're watching. Are you going to sit on or under? I'm not talking about sitting in the nosebleeds. I'm talking about getting on the 50-yard line. Right? Some of us need to get up off the bench. Been sitting on the bench so long, it's comfortable. Right? Some of us like carrying water to other people. You know what I'm talking about. It's time to need some water. Amen. Time to get thirsty. Everybody thought we were going to leave and nobody, Pastor Mike wasn't going to tell us that we need to do something. <laughs> Look at what Galatians says. Yet Christ paid the full price to set us free from the curse of the law. He absorbed it completely and became a curse in our place. There's a generation that doesn't know. My brother Mickey was talking about, he told me a story the other day that blessed my heart and, and, and made me cry at the same time. He sees two little kids in a park. He just left church and he asked them, do you know Jesus? And they said, no, we don't know who Jesus is. And you act like people, everybody in St. Pete knows Jesus. There are little kids in the park that don't know Jesus. And we're here. Serve Timber's coming. July, we're going to take Jesus to Frank Pierce Park. Six nights, live and in color, preaching the gospel. Six nights, live music, free food. We're going to do whatever it takes to preach the good news on 22nd Street Avenue South and 7th Street South is where we're going to be. Tent revival right there. Yeah, it's going to be hot, so what? We got to take Jesus to the streets. We got to take Jesus. There are people who don't know Jesus. And then when they come here, you need to respect them and love them, no matter what they look like, smell like, act like, or whatever. 
We act like the church is for Christians. Church ain't for Christians. The church is for sinners to come in. We're supposed to be a hospital. Talk about it ain't comfortable enough. Listen, I done got you cushion seats. You sat for eight years on metal seats. I congratulate you. You did. God bless you all. And you know, and you, that'll make you shout with them little them cushion chairs, won't they? I think the first people came in and like, oh, there's Jesus. <laughs> cushion on the back too loud. They were shouting, Joe. They're like, come on. I might have seen somebody do a dance, you know. You know what's up. You know. <laughs> Cushion on the back end, I don't even know what to do. As long as you're sitting for one, we're good. But here's the truth. Let me, let me wrap it up because I got carried away. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. The truth of the matter is I want everyone at least sitting in one. Because you need to get fed. And you, everybody who knows, y'all who started with us in the beginning, if you started with us in the very beginning, raise your hand. You know. We've always had two services. People don't know about that, do they? But we always had two services. We never have not had two services. One, ser one service was called the servant service because we knew that our people were going to be servant and not be able to be fed. And I refuse to be the pastor who doesn't know the name of the people that are serving and never sees their faces and never feeds them. And so we've done two services from the very beginning, and we didn't even publicize it for two years because we wanted to make sure everybody eats in God's house. How can you know the vision of the church and the passion of the church and the heart of the church if you're always serving and you're never getting fed? That's how you get worn out. That's why there's always been and there will always be. And I always want to see you sitting in these seats so that I can impart spiritual gifts and wisdom to you. And then you can go and impart that to the world. That's how God set it up. So don't ever feel bad about getting fed. You need to get fed. But just make sure that you ain't blessed to be blessed. Make sure you're blessed to be a blessing. Because if not, you know what happens when you sit under that? You get bitter at me. I love you, but you do. Can't believe I can't go to church without him saying I need to serve somewhere. Because you need to serve somewhere. Right? I say, he ain't even sorry about it. Nope. Nine years later and still ain't sorry. Don't you feel bad that people are suffering? No. I give it, I'm giving you a chance to be world changers, life changers, and I show up too. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I feel good when somebody serves. I am not ashamed. They say, oh, they've been serving for nine years. Good. I hope they serve for nine more. Because if they don't, they ain't going to let. How do you think you made it nine years? We've been serving together. We've been reaching people for the kingdom. So we're sitting on this thing. We ain't sitting under it. And today you and I have a choice. We have a decision to make. Are we going to sit on or are we going to sit under? Because here's what I'm telling you right now. If we sit on top of this in Jesus' name, the next generation will never sit under it. And we've got to decide. Listen, there have been many who come and gone, nine years, many who come and gone. And I love them all. And we've had a chance to be a part. But the bottom line is, if you ain't going, you ain't growing. 
If you ain't going out and serving, if you ain't leading your family, if you're not serving in your fellowship, if you're not serving in our homeless men, if you're not finding a way, you get lost. You get lost. So I'm just trying to encourage you. I'm not inviting you to something that ain't going to be work. But together we have it all. Together we can have it all. Nine years later, it's still all about Jesus. Always has been, always will be. The vision hasn't changed to be a city within a city. Reaching our city with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ one life at a time. You ain't had to worry about me change the vision 8,000 different times because I went over to this uh, big church and saw their name and, and tried to follow their path or their path or that path. Or I went up to Chicago or I went over to Atlanta or I flew out to California to bring back some kind of idea. This is St. Petersburg. This is City on a Hill Church. I don't need somebody else's vision. God birthed the vision in me. Why am I needing somebody else's vision? I need somebody else's vision. I got a vision that's been that same vision since we started the church. Nine years later, it's still the same. If the Lord tarries and allows me to continue, it'll still be the same. And if it ain't ever, it's because it, I ain't here. Because I ain't ever changing. And trust me, I've had plenty of people try and get my vision for sale, rent, lease, or loan. Pastor, we need this, and Pastor, we know. You want to do it? No? Okay, then we don't need it. <laughs> Joking. You know what we need? You know what we need? No, I need you to serve here. That's what I need. So you volunteer? Well, no, I ain't volunteering to do it, but we need it. No, we don't. And we ain't going to. What we need... What we need is to be faithful. What we need is to sit on the victory of Jesus. And we need to remind ourselves, because every one of us, listen, I, and I'm rapping, and I know I'm just a couple minutes over, but I'm rapping for this reason. As we leave here today, nobody in this room knows what you're going to go face. And you don't know what I'm going to go face. But I know we're going to face it with Jesus. Because we're all, listen, some of us in this room are in the pain that, that we can't even describe. And others are in incredible joy. And others are wondering what's, I mean, we just don't know. But what we do know, what we do know is we're better together. What we do know is we got each other. What we do know is we can pray together. What we do know is we have a Jesus who cares about us. And we have a choice to sit on or under. And I'll sit on your problem with you all day long, but I will not sit under it with you. I refuse to sit under it with you. I'll sit on it all day long with you, but I will not sit under it. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And Jesus, this is your, your truth. And God, we choose to sit on what you have done for us. We choose to sit on what you have accomplished for us. We are not sitting under anything anymore. God, we choose to sit on that victory. If you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor Mike, I want to sit on 
that victory. Death no longer has a hold on me. Satan no longer has a hold on me. Sin no longer has a hold on me. Jesus is alive and I'm no longer sitting under my circumstance. I'm sitting on top of what has already been done for me in Jesus' name. If that's you, raise your hand high in the air like you ain't afraid. Yes. Yes, that's it. That's how you do it. Sitting right on it. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. You guys may place your hands down. Everyone with the sound of my voice, we're going to pray this prayer just from our heart to God's. Prayer is simply talking to God. We just simply say, Jesus, I choose to believe in your victory. I choose to receive your forgiveness. I choose to receive your grace. I am not the same. I am changed on the inside out. I trust you with everything I am, and I trust you with everything I am not. I know I'm not going to be perfect, but I'm being perfected. And my faith, my hope, and my trust is in you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray this prayer by faith. And the church of Jesus Christ said, Now give the Lord your best praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Well, listen, we...